Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the latest episode of the Hail to the District podcast featuring myself, Pat, and your 2-0 Washington Commanders. I mean, it might have caused a few heart palpitations along the way, but Washington did end up defeating the Denver Broncos by a final score of 35-33 to and continued their undefeated start to the season, just like we predicted. I say that tongue firmly planted in cheek. We're recording this on Monday evening, which means you've probably likely consumed a lot of your recap content by now. So while we'll still delve a bit into the game itself, we'll do so with more within the context of some of the early big-ish, I'm using air quotes right now, picture takeaways. And I think when you're going to have such conversations, we should start with the most obvious position. Pat, you texted me during the game, even when it was all going to shit and we were down 21 to three, that if we learn nothing else from this game, we can still say we can still take away the fact that it's very safe to say that Sam Howell is is him, as the kids like to say, at quarterback. Yeah, quoting the great Deion Sanders, he is him. I you know I thought Sam was great in the whole game. First drive he was throwing darts all over the field. Second drive he was throwing the ball around. You know I think it was a good day for for a lot of people on our team. Good day for a lot of fans. It was a great day for Sam Howell. You know he's going to have areas that people are going to knock. He's not some fine refined like Peyton Manning or anything of that nature. You know that that he does hold the ball too long. The first sack he took that effectively took us out of like a 40-yard field goal into a 49-yard just like awful Cheeseman field goal in the first drive. That sack was entirely on him. Like held the ball too long. He scrambled. He should have just – like that's a play. You just let it die. In fact, there were a couple of times where he held the ball so long and got sacked. I'm just happy he held on to the ball. Yeah. But he just makes some throws where you're like, yeah, this guy's an NFL quarterback. You know, whether it's, um, you know, hitting – Dwyane for 15 yards. I mean, there's there's a few throws that stand out to everyone. The throw he threw to Bates right before the touchdown to Logan Thomas was the just shot like, in the cover too. Yeah, I mean that is an elite throw. Yeah, and not only not only that, he hits Bates right in stride, right in his, the little window, and then his two best passes are his uh, the two touchdown passes he threw. You know, Logan Thomas, like really hope you're still alive, dude. Thanks for holding on to that ball. And the biggest the biggest turning point in the whole game. Screw the fumbles. The fact. The fact that Logan Thomas did not drop that. Pass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the force fumble, Jamin's force fumble, which we'll get to, obviously, was the the obvious one. But you're 100 percent right. I mean, he took a vicious, tremendously illegal <laughs> shot, and the fact that he held on to it—it's a joke. They didn't suspend that guy, or they didn't give him any like any further fines. They basically just gave him a slap on the wrist. Good old Roger Goodell and player safety. But yeah, you're 100 percent right. Go watch that throw, though. I think it was Nikki. Uh, how do you say last name? Giovanni, maybe. Go, she retweeted the, the throw. He puts that ball only where Thomas can catch it. It's mm-hmm. a, a perfectly placed pass. And then you look at the, the uh, McLaurin touchdown pass and like, we haven't, at least in my lifetime, we haven't had a quarterback that, that can make that throw. Uh, we've had quarterbacks with arms strong enough to make that throw. We have not had quarterbacks who are, that whole play, little deft pocket move to the left, resets his feet, Puts it on an absolute dime, allows Harry to high point it, to, uh, Terry to high point it, touchdown. And then if you hear him break it down, he uh, he did an interview with JP after the game, and he breaks the whole play down. And like I miss this the whole time. I was just nodding my head, like yeah, yeah, this kid gets it. It's a play they had practiced, they knew it. He had he had Dotson coming underneath, and the safeties came up because of it. Terry beats his guy one on one. He has a finite moment of time to throw that ball, and he delivered an absolute dime. 
I was just impressed with him the whole day. Even when we were down 21-3, I was like, this guy makes throws that we haven't had. And the reason I say I think it was a great day for a lot of people on the team, the marriage of him and EB is going to be awesome. Uh, EB really started cooking. And then uh, once the line kind of you know got their heads out of their ass, once we started using the run game, the screens were just mm, chef's kiss. Yeah, the, the screen to Cole Turner was incredible. It was only like nine yards, I think. It wasn't one of the big ones. But as a fan, I was wa- like watching it happen. My whole entire – I mean, no one can see me right now, upside of you. My whole body just started going and turning with Robinson. And then Turner just – I didn't even know Turner was in the play. And then he just popped free, dumped – you know, I think it was like a 10-yard screen. But how – like, yeah, I texted you during the game. We have our quarterback. We have an offensive coordinator. And, like, for the first time since uh, 2020, I believe, maybe 2019, whenever we had Callahan and O'Connell, we scored 35 points offensively. Uh, now, we've scored 40, 35 points since, but not entirely on offense. That is uh, – it was awesome to watch. And, like, I'm telling you right now, I think we're going to win, like, 11, 12 games now. <laughs> you hit a couple of points that I wanted to build on. So – the one thing that encourages me about Howell more than anything else is that Howell has it's it's a combination of three things, right? Like I don't mean to bring his name up in in these contexts for a variety of reasons, but like everyone was salivating over Dwayne Haskins for a variety of reasons, and I'm like, we said this many times, he's all arm and no brain, and that just remained the case during his tenure in Washington. I think with Howell, Howell has it's not an elite arm. It's an above average arm. I mean, let's just put it there. It's certainly not a below average arm or it's not even an average one. It is an above average one, but he has demonstrated the, the ability kind of like what you were talking about with the pay, the passage on Bates, where he knows when to, when to throw it to use your parlance, when to throw the fastball and when to throw the changeup. right? When do you put the mustard on the ball and when do you, you know, feather it in or when do you great touch. And, and, and drop it in? And he understands there's a difference in those. The, the the pass to McLaurin is not a fastball if you watch it. It is well-placed. It is timing. It is, in to your point, in the only place where McLaurin can go and get it amidst all the guys around him. And the big thing that really surprised me, which was always the question I had about him, and it's such an underrated part of quarterback's games that people, I think, the common fan, don't really fully understand or put as much stock into, Howell's footwork is night and day. The way he holds his balance underneath him, the way he throws with balance, the way he throws on platform, it's actually really surprising, particularly to see the growth he's had since about this time last year and to where he is now. He just looks, generally speaking, fundamentally very sound. He's not perfect yet, but considering where he came from in a North Carolina offense that didn't really teach him shit about it to playing it at a very level, uh, good level of proficiency. Um, I'm just completely impressed by him. And the one thing that I love, I used to talk about this all the time when, when we had RG three in the 2012 year was like third and five plus doesn't matter. Just put the ball in his hands and something is going to happen. And I wrote this down. I was like with when in the Scott Turner era with like with Alex Smith and, 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 and Taylor Heineke and whoever else was the rotating door among quarterbacks among all of them, Third and six might as well have been third and three miles because it was just too far for us. Like it, it was, you're basically just setting up how short are we, you know, setting up another fourth and one Ron Rivera punt. With Heineke, it doesn't, uh, Heineke, with Howell, it doesn't matter because he's just routinely converting third and 10, third and 14, third and eight, third and nine, whether it's with his feet, whether it's with his arm, like these third and long situations don't matter. And those are the demoralizing plays against a defense that just start to add up where you're like, I can't get this guy off the field. 
And it's it's just incredible to watch, and I love it. They showed a stat during the game. It was sometime in the third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter, like breaking down all of his throws by yards. And then they had like short behind they had behind line of scrimmage under 10 yards, 10 to 19, and then 20 plus. And between 10 to 19, he was four, he was four of six. And then between longer than that, he was two for two. So in eight essential throws of 10 yards or more, he was six of eight. You make a living in the NFL if you can throw that intermediate to long ball. Mm-hmm. If you can hit, if you can hit runners, uh, there was a play. I think it was also ten different players caught balls, including nine ten different caught players balls. caught. Yep, nine players caught at least two. I mean, that's the Bianami effect. I think. Also, I think he knows exactly where to go with the ball, and and I think he 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 does hold the ball too long at times. But I do think in the second half he got way better about knowing when to get rid of the ball, uh, which is even more encouraging. Uh, and the other thing that you mentioned is feet. Obviously, if, if you go back and look at his quotes from early on, he was like, I mean, my footwork needs to get better. I, that's like all I'm working on. Go go listen to Kime during his rookie mini camp. Go look at uh, Mark Bullock's write-ups on him during uh, preseason last year. They all said the same thing. His footwork needs work. His footwork needs work. He, you know, his, his footwork's not lined up to the routes, yada, yada, yada. That is like, to your point, pretty much fixed. And he is hitting people in stride where they need to be at the right time. And the, the thing that I love about it is two things. One, that I don't know if I said this before you started recording if I are, or if I've already said this. The pocket presence to the touchdown to Terry, he slides left, resets his feet, and then hits Terry in stride and high, allows him to high point the ball. But then it was third and 10. I want to say we were down 24-21 maybe. It was in the second half and we were rolling. It was third and 10. And Hal took off. Yep. And he's – I mean – we talked about it our, yeah, we talked about it in our preseason pod. Like this, this cat ran for 800 yards his last year at Carolina. He can move, uh, and he caught them napping. The linebacker came and took a terrible, uh, terrible angle, and he just went right around him. And it was, uh, you know, you had a quarterback that can move like that with a, with an arm and an ability to run offense like that. All of a sudden, you're looking at an above average offense. I wrote this down. One of my favorite throws that he had, which got broken up by the play by Josie Jewell, their middle linebacker. We were, it was third and 14. I think this is our opening drive. And if Jewell doesn't make the jumping deflection in oh, the air, he, it was Dotson, he, Dotson was he right nails there. Dotson probably for a touchdown in between three guys. You could see yeah. that was that, that ball was a, was a frozen rope throw and it was such a good throw. And I was just, I was obviously for the fact that it was incomplete and it broke and ended a drive and we ended up having to kick, uh, miss a field goal actually on that drive, but it was just such a good throw and it was so perfect. And I was like, damn it, that would have looked really, really good on the, you know, just in the, in the greater context of things. He had in a few a handful of throws where you're like, God, I love this guy. Like this guy it's just, you, you talked about it at the end of the first half in the Arizona game where you're like, it's just that pardon the cliche, but like the gunslinging mentality, the aggressiveness and kind of building on what you had mentioned last time, the two drives before halftime, when we go from 21 to three to 21 to 14, I love the fact that Eric Bianami is like, fuck it, pedal to yeah. the metal, go down the field. Let's like, we're not playing for halftime. We're not or playing for the next half or p- field position or whatever. Like, Balls to the wall, let's go. And again, we uh, we get 11 points in three minutes at the end of the game, or at the end of the first half, turning a 21-3 game to a 21-14 game. That's enormous. Yeah. In the uh, last year under Turner, we scored three points in the two-minute drill. We have scored six points already in the first two games. And if you want to include the, the eight points right before the two-minute warning from yesterday, you can. But like in the two-minute drill, Sam's two for two. Uh, like 
And that throw, that throw to Bates, oh, my God. Like, points at the end of halves change games. They give you momentum. They get you in the they, – they, you can steal a possession here or there. Like, it also helps when Deron Bain just says, everyone get on my back. I'll get the ball back to you, no problem, <laughs> uh, coming out of at a halftime. But I just – I know it's not, I don't, we were we were dead to rights. We was 21 to 3. Nothing was going correctly. And you within seven minutes of game time, it's 21 to 14, and it's a one score game. I think I mean also, that's just, great that's call by Ron for going for two because of the uh we got the extra yard for the personal foul. Great call going for two. I'm really I glad miss- he uh decided to do that. I ended up missing that play. I think something was happening on the home front and I couldn't. I couldn't. I'm. I, and then I, I mean, was like, he, oh, he didn't miss anything. It was just a one yard run from uh, Robinson that uh, wasn't ruled. It was ruled that they stopped it, and then they went to replay, and Robinson then, barely stuck the ball. He stuck the ball across the plane. I just keep going back to the fact that first of all, I mean, they kept calling it like in other situations where like they're calling him a rookie. But regardless of however you want to phrase it, this is his what third start? Yeah, third starts. Dallas, Arizona, and then now, and. I have always been in my football growing up years a believer. It's not feasible in the vast majority of cases, but I've always believed in an ideal world. You can have your quarterback, your developmental quarterback sit for the first year. Patrick Mahomes is one of one. He's an outlier, but I, among other things like Aaron Rodgers and other examples that I'm missing right now, because it's almost 11 PM that when you have the ability quarterback who can sit for a year and not have to be pressured to start too early, there's an enormous amount of value in that. And Howell obviously got that, you know, whether that was intentional or not. And again, the development that he's shown throughout the course of, you know, from where he was to where he is now is just, I am taken aback. I did not expect it. I'm, I will fully own that, that I, I thought it was just, he's a fun story. It was a flash in the pan, but he's going to be the way how every other fifth round quarterback ends up being. And he has completely changed my mind. And I'm a hundred percent sold, not just in the euphoria of the fact that we're two and zero and we're actually scoring points and Eric the offense is actually interesting okay. and important and all of those things. He just demonstrates what you need from the quarterback position. The, the rest of the league is talking about the middle tier of quarterbacks like Kenny Pickett because we're watching the Browns game in the background, among others. And I'm like, I'm taking Howell 10 times out of 10 over this guy because he's showing me everything that these guys are, if not more. And by the way, I'm paying him on a fifth, you know, on a fifth round pick salary, which is why we can talk about giving the bag to all these guys as our team rounds out. He, uh, he only makes a million a year. It's more than I thought, to be honest with you regardless it's, it, from a cap perspective it's probably only like 800 i mean it's he doesn't make he doesn't make hardly any money you might want to check out sportico or sport rack that's what i'm doing. checking spot track right now but i don't want to say i was sold on how a long time ago i watched him a lot in college i have a lot of carolina friends and you know they they always talked about him i i, I love acc football with the exception of virginia tech julian uh, <laughs> And even watching how then you're like, this kid's special. Or not special, but you're like, you knew this kid could play in the league. Uh, I'm not saying I thought he was a first-round pick or anything like that, but like it was one of those like, okay, this guy this guy can play, right? And he's, I don't know how, but for the first time in 25 years since, you know, now that Dan's gone, for whatever reason, the world, the football world broke our way and that the NFL outsmarted itself because Sam went into that junior year as probably the number one ranked quarterback in his class and was you know a surefire top 10 pick and then just because his offensive line second he had no and he had no help around him he dropped all the way to the fifth round and ron's the first one to say it they were like we were not going to take him but we had the first round 
And boom, he's like, he was basically, Ron basically said he was too good not to take at that point, too much value. And they had to call Wentz and be like, hey, look, this was not the plan, but it was just kind of a too, too good to pass up. And to your point, he got to sit. He, I mean, the parallels to Mahomes right now are, I mean, please, if you're listening, the three people that listen to this do not think I'm comparing to Mahomes. Uh, but like the comparisons are kind of similar, similar, right? Minus the fact that the Chiefs traded up for Mahomes. But like they both sat their rookie years. They both they both started the last meaningless game of the year. Mahomes' first offensive coordinator is EB. Freaking Hal's first real offensive coordinator as a starter is EB. Re uh freaking Rivera and Reed come from the same freaking staff. Like there's a lot of similarities. And uh I'm telling you, man, if we average 27 points a game all year, we're gonna win a lot of football games. There are there are stories. People don't also realize this. There are a lot of stories when um, you ask people like players on the Chiefs where they're like, oh, did you know Mahomes is going to be this good from the onset? And they were like, no. They're like, he his first preseason, like he had a lot of work to do. He wasn't Mahomes from day one. They were they were like, he was kind of not good in his early preseason. And it took that developmental time to get there. And then that first game of the season, I think they played Denver, it was the KC Denver game. Point being that's like he didn't come out of the proverbial womb being like this dude at quarterback and like he kind of emerged into it and i to continue your parallels so the parallels the parallels are real and i'm gonna i'm gonna make it a thing if no one else believes i'm making it it's real he's the next Mahomes. boom okay so we're gonna shift gears to another draft pick because this is one that's near and dear to my heart for those who have listened uh who you mean, have listened to the podcast you mean you mean the bust that i said trade for a tackle that's the one that would that would be the guy right that would be everyone's favorite uh player to <laughs> concoct fake trades for in the dc area uh, I, I just simply called this section welcome back chase young right uh chase young's first game back from both the knee well not the first game back because he obviously played a handful of games but those might as well have been preseason for him because the knee obviously wasn't it was medically clear to play but that doesn't really mean shit um first real action this season and oh boy he was there uh, I want to credit. I can't remember who it was, but tweeted it. They were they uh, they early mentioned they were like, regardless of what the stat sheet said, because he hadn't gotten in there yet. But like, regardless of what the stat sheet said, Chase Young is making a very big impact on this game by virtue of the pressures that he placed. Uh, Grant Paulson tweeted this today. Chase Young and Montez Sweat combined for 14 pressures, eight hurries, and three sacks. And for whatever that's worth, Pro Football Focus tweeted today two different things. Uh, Young had seven pressures and a pass rush win percentage of 25.8% and just 31 snaps. I know that doesn't mean anything to greater context, but they were like basically anybody winning more than 20 or 22% of their pass rush snaps is really, really high. Chase Young's at about 26%. It was as high since his rookie year. And he was the second best graded player on Washington's defense behind the one and only Deron Payne. Of course. Yeah, because Deron Payne obviously ended an entire drive by literally by himself. But he's the best. There's one uh, play that I wanted to highlight yeah. on Young. Uh, I mean, he, he it was his first sack. I don't think the context of that sack outside of it being his first sack is fully mentioned because it was third and two late in the third quarter. 
and he Wilson's ejecting from the pocket and he's and, and Wilson basically, uh, excuse me, young basically chases him down. I think the bigger picture here is that young was the only one in the vicinity. And if he doesn't get Wilson or if Wilson manages to escape, not only does he get a first down, he might've scored a touchdown and that three points becomes a seven that they did score eventually becomes four more and, you know, changes obviously the calculus of the game a little bit, but that was such a huge play. And then the other one, which I don't think also gets mentioned quite as much, the play where Wilson fumbles it, uh, oh, the reason man, why he I had to check in the pocket. I was going to mention this play. Because, yeah, Young basically – Young was Young pushing up. around Garrett Bowles all day. He put him on ice skates all afternoon. It was a lot of fun to watch. So that play where, where – I'm going to talk about that Russell fumble because if there's ever a play for me to put my foot in my mouth, it's this – let's start with Chase. I said last week trade him for a tackle. And we I don't think we can anoint that he's back – quite yet as one game. Look since 2020 i know it was one game it was one game yep. but like let's be real let's be real he was fucking awesome yesterday or whenever we played on monday or sunday uh he had a sack and a half <laughs> the picture of them basically eiffel towering uh for lack of a better term uh russell is hilarious the thing i love about those him and chase or chasing uh, uh montez is they clearly are boys montez even said chase is my best friend and they they went and trained in the offseason together they are they are legit boys and so it creates a healthy competition between them now they really really need to remember rush lane integrity i'm just gonna say yeah. that now for for future reference particularly uh, next monday yeah particularly next monday against freaking uh josh allen but that sack fumble uh, I'm going to highlight because one chase blows it up. He gets inside uh, whoever the left tackle was. You mentioned my name. No, whoever you. Uh, then he then he then he pulls a little spin move, forcing Russell out of the pocket. So you got this guy who I just traded for a, for a tackle blowing up a play, and then I mean I still think he's a bust, but Jamin Davis's closing speed is outrageous. It is uh, like when he just turns it off, like turn your head off, turn your brain off, and just play. That's exactly wow. his game. If you could just ask him to go from point A to point Holy B without shit. thinking. And Dude, that's what obviously made him a first one. The guy can fly. Plays, multiple plays where he was spying on Russell. First one was he forces that fumble that uh, even though he's the worst player on the team and he's now uh, my new uh, – what was that guy's name? Uh, he's, uh, he's basically John Bostic 2.0. Barton, rec- Barton recovers it. But there's also another play where Russell rolls to his right. Who's the white cornerback and- from Penn State that ran real – Troy Apke, thank you. Oh, no, 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 there's only one app. He's the worst player. He's the worst player in the history of football. Uh, he's right up there with Reed Dowdy. There's another play where Russell gets out and rolls to his right, and he's forced to throw it away. I would bet the 401k, I bet the 529, everything I got saved, that Russell was surprised on that play of how fast Jamie was. If you watch it, he thinks he has more time, and at the last minute, he's like, oh, shit. And he throws it away because Jamie went from point A to point P so fast. I mean, that guy can run. And, like, that was that was his ML coming out of school, right? It was, like, super freakish athlete, can absolutely fly sideline to sideline. And that's why I like that young play because it's, like, two players that I just bash often. And Chase blew it up. And then, you know, kudos to Jamie because, man, that guy, that guy, I couldn't believe how fast. Like, that's the fastest I've ever seen him run. There's uh, always a little bit of give and take with Davis. Like, yes, he made the play and stuff like that. It could have very well, if the referees had their shit together, they could have called a personal foul on it because of the swipe to the face, whatever they didn't. Um, I don't want to hear about, they got, him. they got him. They got him. They got him at a different time. Exactly. Yeah. He, he, he got his personal foul. 
and I, I really don't want to hear about the pass interference at the end of the game. I know I'm seeing everything through burgundy and gold colored glasses. I don't even deny it. But if you really closely look at it, I know Gene Steratore came out and said it should have been pass interference. Uh, St. Juice so, arm wasn't wasn't wrapped around Sutton. It was, they, look it, at the they, Giants freaking Curtis Samuels tape. Exactly. That's that's exactly my response. It's like that makes up for when we, you know, lost to the Giants last year. Was I don't know if that was the loss of the tie, but because they couldn't, they refused to call the PI awesome. in the end zone. I will say, I want to, I want to highlight the defensive line more. Uh, I don't think this is part of your outline, but I just want to, I just want to give them, I want to give them their flowers. Russell Wilson had thirty-three pass attempts yesterday. He was hit on fourteen of them, not pressured, hit, like actually hit. Game against the Cardinals, we were struggling. And then we had that series where Allen or a pain tackle for loss, Allen tackle for loss, sweat, sack, fumble. Defensive line to the uh, game. Yeah. Defensive defensive line turned the entire game on its head. This game, we're down, we're down bad. Like the offense was moving the ball, but Cheeseman can't snap the ball, so it doesn't really matter. And we're down 21-3, and Chase comes in, makes that play. Jamin gets the fumble, obviously. But then from that point on, once the scripted plays were over, and Chase even said this in a post-game interview, he was like, as soon as their scripted plays and like trip plays were over, like they had no chance. See, that's such uh, an that's such a big part of what people don't realize when you're watching football games. Plus, like, we're playing Peyton, who's a genius. So you give him time to script plays, they're gonna be good. I it's almost getting to the point where the first two to three drives of a game don't matter because they're yeah. so scripted. Like I call this the Kevin O'Connell effect. If you watch the Vikings last year, once the Vikings script ran out, they're like, what do we do now? All the, I would I would guess good money that sixty to seventy percent of the points that the Vikings scored last year were unscripted. Were were like just the stuff that was on O'Connell's script leading up to the game. And then when it was in game execution, he had no fucking clue what to do after that. And I, that's such a great takeaway. Like, yeah, once the script ran out, they're like, oh, now we actually have to rely on the guys that we have on the field. Yeah. What do we do? Yeah, I mean, Jay said it. He was like, once once the scripted plays were over and they weren't doing any misdirection stuff that we weren't prepared for, and like. Once they had to get into the flow of the game, everything stopped. And basically it becomes like, we're better than you. We're going to stop you. And then, you know, it was 21-14. Payne goes, sack, tackle for loss, pass breakup. PBU, yeah. We don't do much. Next drive, I think I think Sweat had a sack. Like the D-line just said, you know what? I got this. And why I bring that up and want to give them the flowers is obviously we've been waiting for this line to have a full healthy contingent for ever and you know you have to be able to beat teams that are kind of on the same peer as you or tier as you and we did that and the more i look at our schedule the more i look at our season and the more i think about our defensive line i can't help but think that our team and this is like i got burgundy shades on i got you know we're two in our talk i can't help but think that we are built the right way for modern football we have playmakers on offense. We just finally have someone who can actually get them the fucking ball. Who can orchestrate. Uh, uh, yeah, and we have a guy who understands that you have to build plays on top of each other, unlike unlike Turner, who didn't know how to call a game to save his life. And then on on defense, we're built through our defensive line, which doesn't allow these like incredible passers to sit there and pick us apart. And two games in a row, we've gotten turnovers uh, because the defensive line gets in the quarterback's head, rattles them. and like. I think we're built for modern NFL, and I think we're. I said we. I didn't. I refused to say we'd win ten games before the season started because I don't think we've won ten games since 2012, and we haven't won eleven games since what 91. Yeah, I think so. That sounds right. I think we're going to win 10, 11 games. 
I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to crack that champagne open just because the schedule is just we got is, a new so, is so tough. It's so tough. Like who this, again? The second half of the schedule is just brutal. Like it's just teams. We have five games against teams that are like mm, I like. That. We have six games against teams that are probably clearly better than us. The only one where you're like, okay, that really, you know, that really got a lot easier. Obviously, is the Jets because of, for the for the obvious reason. But yeah, we're going to dominate Jets. The Seattle over there. I know Seattle isn't particularly good at all. We're going to dominate Seattle, and I'm going to be Seattle's, there. Seattle's there. Dallas. I don't even want to talk about them because they're fucking okay. terrifying. Dallas, the Eagles, Niners, and Bills. Take them. I'm not afraid of. I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, this is my bias coming in. I'm not afraid of the Eagles. I'm not afraid of the Eagles. Great, great. Like that's the one game where I'm not. I'm like, okay, I think we can walk into that. So. The Rams later on, I think they're up and down, and who knows what they're going to look like by the end of the season. The 49ers are also fucking terrifying. And again, the Dolphins, I mean, I, I'm already having nightmares of what Tyreek Hill is going to just run past our secondary as fast as the guys in our secondary currently are right now. I mean, Tyreek Hill is on MVP caliber pace right now, and he's very capable of, of being the MVP of the league, or if not the offensive player of the year. But... I firmly believe that the way they're playing right now, pending no catastrophic injuries, knocking profusely on wood right now, that they're perfectly capable of being the fifth or sixth best team in the NFC. And again, I want to make it clear that I don't like the Bills game this Sunday worries me a lot. Measuring stick. It's a measuring stick game. To quote Ron from three years ago when he said it. I think the opening game was a little bit of a mirage at a variety of reasons of the Bills Jets game. I think the Bills showed who they were by beating the Chutney out of the Raiders this past weekend um, and really pulling away from them. But I will say again, not looking, trying to look too far ahead. I'm not that worried about the Eagles. Like I don't, I'm not saying we're going to beat them, but like I came in Philly. It's in Philadelphia. This one's in Philadelphia, but in terms of like my quote unquote fear level, the Eagles are nowhere near how I feel versus like compared to like playing the bills. So I'll be in the game. I'll be there. I know myself, my buddy, Chester, John Kane, we're all there. That stadium is going to be uh, raucous. It's going to be raucous. I, I can't, I can't wait. It's been a long time since I've been in that dump and you're going two weeks after me. I am next. Home uh, my thoughts on, I think we're catching a break with the bills. Even though I, even though he's probably not the same player that he was without Von Miller because our tackles are terrible. I mean, why they can't block you or me? They still got a hundred uh, pass rushers over there. I mean, I mean, not, none of them are Von Miller to be sure. None of them are Von Miller though. Yeah, um, Greg Rousseau. I so I think you're I think you're right. The Bills, the Bills, like they should be two and zero. They only lost that Jets game because of emotion and yeah. and Allen yeah, being Allen calmed himself. Allen calmed himself down, and they just boat raced the Raiders. And so, look, we're gonna get a motivated team. But the key to our season, I really think I've said it in our preseason thought that Broncos game was the key to our season. If you can get to two and zero, things change. Uh, and not only do they change, we were far superior to the Cardinals. They're just a spunky team who we basically shit ourselves for half. Uh, also, really pissed they lost to the Giants. So mad, God! Uh, I missed that because it was we're busy starting the evening routine for my kiddo, and then I went back and I was like. How much did there? I was like, how much did Arizona end up winning by? Because my relish for like you know the Giants losing remains. And I was like, I was like the Giants won? Like what? Yeah, I mean they were and they were down twenty nothing at halftime. I think. Yeah. There's uh, some something to that effect, and it was my only consolation. Again, I generally ninety nine point nine percent of the time don't root for injuries in the NFL. Saquon Barkley is one of my exceptions. So uh, the fact that he got injured again just kind of made my cold heart uh, smile because of my disdain for him. 
But well, I think the Bills game will be interesting. Uh, Wiley and Leno. I thought you hate Leno, and I know you you put him in the in, uh, again. I don't. You even said, texted, you texted me in the middle of the game. You're like, this guy sucks. He had a bad quarter and a half. Charles Leno is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful human being. Like I said, he is exactly the type of guy you want to be the captain of your team. He's exactly the type of guy you want to have a locker room in to be in your locker room. He's exactly the type of guy you want to have mentoring your young uh, players. I just don't want him on the field. I just don't think any good speed he's not, rusher I mean, he's, is going to. He's be- not a starting left tackle, man. No, uh, but I will give the the flowers to the O line in the sense that like interior the half, offensive they line were much played. much better. Sadiq Charles, I think, was the highest rated player on the, the highest, offense. He was the highest rated player in the not, not the offense. I think he was the highest. Was he above Payne? No, on the no, not above Payne. But he was on. I think on the offense, he was the highest graded player. Uh, yeah. Charles played He's, well. Yeah. Gape played fine. Cosme, I know, was banged up a little bit during the game, but they were. I think he was fine. I can't remember if they had to go to the Stromberg Gates look at one point during because I know Cosme uh, was Cosme. He, Cosme is good. Cosme is good for uh, at least one missed snap because of a, some sort of injury game. Right. But like the tackles, like I said, the 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 howl fumble that I think Wiley ended up recovering, that was a hundred percent on Wiley. And th- that <laughs> night, like he got beat so bad. That they both, I mean, they're just they are they're the two. I mean, the two of them plus Barton are the biggest liabilities on the field right now. Oh yeah, you know what's interesting about those two plays though is, uh, and this is one thing I'm like, EB deserves a lot of praise for, for switching up how he called the game. You know, I don't think people. People always say, "Is like, oh, you make adjustments, you make adjustments, yada yada yada." And Turner never made adjustments. Turner never. But the the thing about EB that I love, and I think it's hard to make make adjustments like that. Like you plan an entire week for a game, and then basically within a quarter have to decide if you're going to stick to that plan. And those two pass plays, so the, Wiley and Leno each got just in the first quarter and a half. I mean, when I say beat, they were like torched. They might have, they might as well not have been on the field. Yep, and there was one play specifically. I think it was the wide one where I have no idea how Howell held onto the ball. Howell took a beating in the first half. He took an yeah. absolute beating. But those plays changed the way EB called the game. The the route started becoming a little more shorter. We started running screens. I mean, we had we had three screens go for twenty plus yards, and I think Gibson's went for thirty six. Gibson Gibson was ready to break it. Gibson was close uh, a couple of times. Simmons Simmons got him from behind. Uh, but we started basically what happened is because the Broncos basically started licking their lips and they're like, okay, you're going to throw every down. We are going to, I mean, we threw the ball 30 times in the first half. And we're going to start bringing, we're going to start bringing the house. Then we started hitting some screens. Then we started running some zone, zone running plays and Gibson started getting outside. Oh, not Gibson, uh, Robinson. And like, it was beautiful to watch. Like EB all of a sudden was like, okay, you want to do this? Boom. Here's my counter. There was and a counter. We just, we just started walking down the field. Like with ease. Yeah. And what happened is all of a sudden that play to Terry is a great example. They don't blitz uh, because they got tired of getting crushed. And so they started sitting back a little bit. All of a sudden you have a pocket. Uh, Also, if you watch that play, Robinson chips Wiley's guy, which is why Hal slides a little to his left, which another very small thing, but helps the tackle out, gets you some extra time, touchdown. Like I just thought EB was amazing. Like, you talked about the, the the screen the the screen to Cole Turner that he almost broke it. Uh, another big chip by Brian Robinson on that play. He had a really key block and kind of helping everything get set up and create the tunnel that that, that um, play was so creative that that Turner uh, almost broke. I mean, if that if he if that one guy just was uh, two inches off and he didn't get Turner by the hips and kind of bring down his momentum, yeah, that was a house call. 
Yeah. I mean, you had Pringle in motion, so the whole defense kind of shifted. Then you had Robinson leaking out, and then the whole defense was like, oh, shit, it's actually a screen the other way. And Turner's just chilling right there in the middle. I mean, that, it was a it was a beautiful play. But the element, the element of the screen game, to your point, it takes a lot of the teeth out of the defense who thinks they can go after Leno and Wiley, not thinks. They probably realize they could be for the reasons we just stated. That, okay, if you want to do the proverbial pin your ears back and come after us, there is a counter for that versus more let's throw f- more five or six yard leak routes like we did with Scott Turner. Yeah. God, Turner was so bad. Yeah. That's that's what I got for the week. I, I also we we've talked about Robinson. He ran really hard. I uh, I texted with my buddies before the game. I was like, the running backs need to show up today. Like we, I feel like our running backs get a lot of praise, but they never really do anything. Like we haven't had any like game changing plays from our running backs in a very long time. I don't. No. Last time I remember our running back being like, I'm gonna bust this open was was Gibson on Thanksgiving Day against the Cowboys. God, he was a he was a monster that game. He was a monster. Yeah. Uh, but since then, it's like. And I said last week that Robinson reminds me of just a better version of Peyton Barber. They're not shifty. And they put their head down and they go. But that touchdown run, he bounced it outside. Uh, that was a nice score touchdown. It was, it was a nice run. We hit the screens to them. Like We, we talk about our receivers all the time, but I'll, I'll, I'll give some flowers to the, to the running backs. I thought they played really well. And to be honest, I don't think they've played well for a long time. Yeah, like Robinson, always oh, good hard runner, gets 40 yards. Like Love that. Good for him. But we haven't had a running back who can change the game in a while, uh, so it was good to see. And I want to I want to call out. Did Robinson get to ninety? He got ninety yards rushing. Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. So he had over hundred yards from scrimmage. Then I believe uh, so. Yeah, because he definitely because he ripped off a big big one on the screen. So yeah, he definitely definitely hundred plus. He had two. Yeah, he had two big screens. So good for them. I I ripped them a lot. So good for them. Only other shout out I wanted to give uh, was Forbes. I mean, I know Forbes got burned by Mims, but the interception that he had, first career interception, it was a nice, yeah, he does, a nice catch. He doesn't, he doesn't slip. He's that's a house call. Yeah, exactly. Another good one there. Uh, helped also facilitated by Chase Young putting Garrett Bowles again, basically in Russell Wilson's lap. And I strongly believe if you go back and watch that play, that Young, excuse me, that Russell Wilson um, hurries up the throw, which was why he was off. Basically, it was like four yards away from the wide receiver, and, and and Forbes jumps the route. So, make sure I wanted to get that called out. I'm gonna go out and say right now, this is a bit, bit of a like see a light, think about it, talk about it. I so Barton has played 100 percent of the snaps. I think game one and game two, even though he's really bad. Okay, that's about 100 percent more than I'd like to see, but because of the way Allen plays, I bet we see a lot of Davis in spy mode. And it's going to be like Pinyers back as a defensive line and then let Davis kind of mirror Allen. I bet you that's what happens. The bills are interesting because I think one area where we tend to get gashed and one of the things I wanted to call out that the Broncos did once the script was exhausted. Get to the edges. They get to the edges, the perimeter of the defense or the Stay periphery of the defense, right? Yeah. We're not good at that. And the Bills are very much one of those teams that also they're like, we'll run because we have to just as the, again, change up. But they really don't want to commit to it outside of when they get deep into the into the red zone. And then they'll hand the ball to to um, Latavius Murray and to Damian Harris. But otherwise they use James uh, Cook basically like, oh, yeah, we, we, we forgot we have him and he can do things too. But otherwise they're all Josh Allen all the time. For good reason. Uh, Josh Allen is still one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL without blinking. I don't care about the the roller coaster ride that he presents, but he is still, I mean, he is still has God mode when he wants to go there. He can still be a destroyer of world's quarterback. There's no question about it. 
his second touchdown against the uh, right before half against the Raiders is uh, is an elite play. He's getting tackled, and he basically only with his arm throws <laughs> an absolute. I still strike. say right. What he did against the Rams in the season opener last year is one of the most dominant performances I've seen in a long time. Like he just, yeah. it was cold. It was three hours of pure murder. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, uh, he's phenomenal. And it's going to be an enormous test for them. I and mean, I would not be surprised if they do something like a 5-1-5 defense, to your point, where they've got five defensive linemen, just Jamin Davis, and then go nickel in the back the whole time. They should. They should. Because the, 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 the Bills are not going to throw the ball. I mean, they'll run the ball. They're not going to run the ball. Like, that's just... They, they, that's like a speed bump for them, like almost like you. Also, little like little nod to your boy, the man who will be traded for a tackle later. I don't know if underrated is the right word because I know people generally who watch the Redskins know this or Commanders rather. Very good against the run. Like he is stout against the run. In fact, against the Broncos, you know, I did not expect him to have a twenty-five percent pass rush win rate with a sack and a half. But I was like. One of the reasons I was excited for him to play is he is so good at setting the edge and he is so good against the run. And so when you do that five-man front, you have two ends that are very good at setting the edge. And then you have Allen Payne in the middle. Like, we're going to be very hard to run against when we have five linemen in the game. Again, I'm totally biased, but the not it's not only the fact that the, win, the, the, the effort and the win rate, again, for PFF, it's the way he did it. There were swipe moves. There was hand fighting. There was bull rushing. There was speed to power. There was a myriad of ways in which he, as I like to say, ate Garrett Bowles lunch that day. Like he beat him in a, in multiple ways. It wasn't just, I'm more athletic than you. So let me just bend the edge and get around the quarterback. And if I miss then LOL, he demonstrated the things that you want to see from an elite caliber not elite player, but elite caliber of pass rusher. And that's the thing I take away more. It's not so much the performance is nice, the end product is nice, but it was the the process, if you will, or the things that comprise what the good pass rushers can do. He showed a lot of that. It's one game. I fully recognize that, but it is still to me very encouraging. But yeah, uh, I was really encouraged by that. And the secondary is going to have their, their, their hands cut, their work cut out for them or their hands full as far as the weapons that the bills present because Gabe Davis is one of those guys where he can go for one another like classic. He can go for three catches for 12 yards or three catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. And I mean, Stefan Diggs is who he is. It's going to be a, you know, coming back home game for him. So yeah. What if we win? Holy shit. (laughs) I mean, basically the first four games of the year, we had to win two knowing we had, Bills and Eagles. And I'm, I know you're not as scared about the Eagles, but it's still in Philly. We're basically playing with house money the next two games, in my opinion. We are. And when we play Buffalo, like that stadium's going to be charged up and it's going to be mostly Skins fans, I think. I know Buffalo travels well, but I would imagine it's going to be. But in, skins in this fans. current regime or current era, yes, I agree with you. It's going to be mostly Skins fans. And I think the players are going to be jazzed up. I, I don't worry because of the enemy, I don't worry about the team not being ready to play. It's such a good point. So like, I don't know. We'll see. I Ron called the what game was it? I think it was a Steelers game, the COVID Steelers game where we beat them and they were undefeated. Ron called it a measuring stick game. That's what this game is. Like, let's go toe to toe with one of the perceived powers of the NFL. We do that, and we will we will turn a lot of heads. Right now, people are like, "Yeah, you're two no. You've only played teams that are zero two. Hundred percent true." Uh, two take two takeaways that came out of this win. Number one, I think it was Charles Leno is one of the interviews or something like that, 
where they kept asking him and Leno's like, look, I'm not trying to overstate this, but this team is different. This I, I've said it from day one. This team is different. It just feels different. It feels like the coalescing of three or four years of the building of Ron under Ron Rivera. He's like, this team just feels different. That's one. And the two, obviously, you know, it's the cliche, but it's the truth. They were down against Arizona. I don't know if we were down against Arizona, but it was a dog fight throughout the entire game. We were clearly down against Denver and they keep saying they keep fighting. They don't lose their composure. They don't lose their cool. They don't deviate from the game plan. They don't hit panic. It's very one step at a time, one punch at a time, one ring at one round at a time, and so forth and so on. And they just keep operating that way. And I like to your point about the enemy. He stays very true to who he is and what his plan is and his ability to kind of see what's going on in the field and counter punching again. Yeah. Last thing, last thing I'll say uh, yeah. for this pod is uh, there's been two scenarios where I think this is the reason I believe in the team. Not because I'm just a fan. And, like, let's be real, that is a big part of it. But against the Cardinals, when the defensive line went, you know, I'm better than you mode, a flip switched in our team. And all of a sudden, we were, like, not just a better team. We were the clearly better team. And, you know, I think it was probably, I think, 14, 6, or 10 around that time. We ended up winning. Yesterday, down 21-3, turnover happens. Flip switches. We went on a 32 to 3 run. Yes, 32 to 3. Like not only did we just like win the game, we we dominated them. Uh and that that people look at that score, they see 35-33, they see the Hail Mary. Jesus Christ. Um just bat the ball down, guys. We've got to be one of the uh, worst teams. So I wanted to tweet that we gotta be one of the worst teams in the NFL in recent memory. Andre Johnson did it to us, like just bat the ball down. Do you remember the Saints uh, did it to us a couple of years ago with Sean yeah. Payton? Yeah. But, like, people look at a 35-33 score. People will be like, oh, you guys were down 21-3. Like, good job coming back. It wasn't the fact that we came back. It was the fact that we we stepped on their throat, for lack of a better term. We dominated. And, like, we haven't had stretches of football like that since 2012 when RG3 went god mode in those seven games. That's what has me so excited about this team because when the defense struggles, we have an offense that can score. And when the offense struggles, we have one of the top five, ten defenses in the league already. That's why I'm a believer. I I don't want it to get lost that we at one point were up thirty-two to three against the Broncos. I That's love your comment about, about house money in particular because yes, I mean the Bills walking. I mean I think the last line I saw the Bills were six and a half point favorites, six and a half. Yeah. right? And it's it's so it's like we. They, they have the proverbial or the metaphorical, we have nothing to lose. Washington does, right? They can go out and be themselves because they're, air quotes again, supposed to lose. And I the the ability to play like that, I think, is, you know, is leads to dangers for the, the favorite team, as we've seen more often than not. So the money, the money line is plus 220. Not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. Not bad. All right, we will end it there. Uh, thank you so much for everyone's listening. Uh, as always, make sure you subscribe to us, all three people that listen to our podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you for again for listening, and we will hopefully do this again at 3-0 because this city will lose its fucking mind if we beat Buffalo and going into Philadelphia. Yeah, if we beat if we beat Buffalo at 3-0, just hope I get on that plane. <laughs> 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 Hung over out of your mind somewhere. Yes. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.